leave much to the imagination. Endings need to be explained, theories need discussion, and thoughts and opinions need to be shared. That's where we come in. I'm Vanessa Ann. And I'm Hannah Marie. We are the queens of the Midnight Hour. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to episode two of the Queens of the Midnight Hour. Before we begin, we want to really thank you guys for your patience while we are starting our second episode. We know that this is a very difficult time and we hope that you all are staying safe and staying healthy. Wishing you all the best as we are going through this very difficult time. But we are now officially in the haunting October season and we are looking forward to starting our second episode with another great book from the man, the myth, the legend, Stephen King, and we are diving into Pet Cemetery, where sometimes dead is better. I'm so excited. I cannot believe it's been so long, but I'm so happy that we're back. We Yeah, it feels good. It feels good to be back. It feels good to see you again. Yes. And we are back in the swing of things. Finally, yes. So thank you all for waiting And we cannot wait to dive into this. So we're going to first talk about the book Pet Cemetery and give you a little bit of a background. Yep. And so first we, of course, want to go into the characters. And, of course, we start off opening the book with the Creed family. So we have kind of our main character, Louis Creed, and his wife, Rachel, their daughter, Ellie, their young son, Gage, and, of course, their cat, who goes by Winston Churchill, but of course goes by Church for short, where they are coming from Chicago and moving to a little small town in in Maine and are going to eventually unravel into some dark and twisted turns of events. Definitely, definitely. And the reason why, they, I should say too, the reason why that they are moving to Maine is because Lewis is going to become a doctor at the university. And alongside, too, they are meeting Judd, who is their neighbor. And right off the bat, though, I have to say, we are starting off with something that's a little different from the book. So in the book, Judd has a wife. And in the movie, Judd lives alone. And would you like to talk more about that? Yeah, sure, that is true. Um, That's something that you'll notice as we describe the book here, that those of you who have only seen the movie... Um, you don't realize that his wife Norma is a character in the book and um, you know Lewis and Judd their their relationship they they grow um, pretty close pretty quickly and Norma is one of the reasons why they they grow close so that's something that we will touch on a little bit later Um, as they moved into their new home they met Judd and Norma they are neighbors across the street and Ellie, the daughter, was very curious about a path that was near their home. And Judd told them that he would take them up there. So Judd takes them to see the pet cemetery. Mm-hmm. Yep. And during that time, too, Ellie is very close to her cat, Church. We really mm-hmm. should say that Church is more of Ellie's cat. Yes, as definitely. We, we get kind of hints in the book that even Lewis is just not the biggest fan of church mm-hmm. and Ellie and Ellie is kind of more close to church and while they're taking this path she is constantly worried and thinking about church dying yes she gets very very upset about this and she is concerned that church won't live as long as people do and when you read the Pet Cemetery book, this is based on something that actually did happen with Stephen King and his daughter. Um, Ellie gets very, very upset, and she's crying, and she's stomping up and down after going to the Pet Cemetery, and she says that she doesn't want Church to die, and that if God wants a cat, he can get his own cat, but not her cat. Yep. And, of course, to Rachel, who, again, is Lewis's wife, is starting to get upset that Ellie is getting upset, and... Um, just so you guys know, I'm not sure if you have seen the movie Pet Cemetery or not, but if you guys have, you'll remember Ellie as the the child actor is not always the greatest of acting, so it was it takes a lot to watch, but we can definitely see her becoming very upset at that thought of Church slowly dying. But foreshadowing, I think not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's understandable. She's about five. Mm-hmm. And she's really upset 
you know, about the thought of losing her cat. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that upsets his wife, Rachel, because she has a very strange, for lack of a better word, relationship with death. And she doesn't really want Ellie to know about it. And she was very upset about Ellie finding out about death so young. Um, but Lewis tries to make the point saying that, well, she's known where babies have come from for a year. <laughs> yeah. and, but Rachel's very, very against her knowing anything about death. And, um, you know, death kind of comes to Lewis pretty quickly in a pretty horrific way during his very first day at the mm. university as the doctor. Yep, yep, because on that note, that is where Lewis's first day, they he already comes around a death of by the man named Victor Pascal. And the creepiest thing is that Victor Pascal kind of looks at Lewis, knows his name, and gives him a warning mm -hmm. about what's to come and to stay away from the pet cemetery. And at this point, Lewis doesn't know what the man is talking about, maybe because he is so on the brink of death from this accident that he is just just losing it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But but still can't help but think of the fact, what does this man mean when he says to stay far away from the pet cemetery? Right. And the thing about this whole incident, too, again, if you've only seen the movie, this whole scene with Victor Pascal is very horrific. He was a jogger, and he was hit by a, a truck. Mm -hmm. And when they bring him in, Lewis says in his mind right away, he says, this guy's dead. There's nothing that they can do for him. He, you could see his brain and his skull was totally smashed in and he shouldn't have been talking and that's why Lewis kind of got the feeling that Victor Pascal was when he said it Lewis's name and he said stay away from the pet cemetery Lewis thought that he was imagining it at first yeah he yeah. didn't think that he was really saying these things um, and, and it's it's just something absolutely horrible and it's not the way to start your your first day at the university um, you know, and what ends up happening is Lewis actually has a dream about Pascal later that night. Yep. Yep. Pascal actually comes to Lewis and warns him about the pet cemetery once again and even the path that is right in their own yard. And the creepiest part is actually in the morning when Lewis wakes up and he realizes that there is mud and dirt on his feet. Yes. So he, he actually left the house. Yep. <laughs> So he thought, so he was thinking, oh, it's just a dream. It was just a dream. I'm fine. But then pulls back the bed sheets and sees that, was it a dream? Was he sleepwalking? Or is the ghost of Victor Pascal really coming back to haunt him and to warn him about what's to come? Mm -hmm. And he kept saying something about don't go beyond. Yep. And, you know, Lewis, being a doctor, he's probably a logical thinker and he probably just just think it was a dream mm -hmm. but when you wake up and you have pine needles and mud all over your feet and your legs and he remembers getting scratched by the branch and he had the mark on him and you know it was it definitely freaked him out a little bit and he kept saying in his head I'm gonna scream I'm gonna scream and I'm gonna lose my mind because it he didn't expect to see that so he had to get rid of the evidence right away and he grabbed all the sheets and threw them down the laundry chute yep now we are going to talk a little key spoilers in the book here mm -hmm. because, as we mentioned before, that there is Norma, who is Judd's wife. Yes. And she is not in the movie, but she is in the book, and she actually plays a huge part in the book. So little spoilers mm -hmm. here, yes. but just as a heads up, uh, Norma actually on Halloween, or it wasn't exactly on Halloween in the book, but it's around there, that Norma actually has a heart attack, and Lewis is actually the one who saves her life. Mm -hmm. And because of that, Judd then feels more that he owes Lewis because mm -hmm. of of Lewis being there and saving Norma from, from her heart attack. Now their relationship grows even stronger because Judd feels that he owes Lewis everything. Definitely. And they are very close. Lewis says that this is the man that should have been his father. Yep. He, they're very, very close. Um, they develop a very good friendship and, you know, Lewis was just doing what he thought was best, but Judd really appreciated it. Um, unfortunately, 
although he saves Norma's life on Halloween, she does pass away, um, which pays a, that plays a very, very big part in the book, and it isn't something that they include in either of the movies, the newer version or the original from 89. Yep. And along with that scene, right before she has her heart attack, mm -hmm. there's a really nice scene between Norma and Ellie where they're mm -hmm. planning on picking apples, and she gives, uh, she actually gives Ellie a new apple, and Lewis tells her that she's being spoiled, and she's being too picky, the apples are fine, but Norma almost comes across to her as that sweet grandma yes. that, nope, just sneaks around and gives her a new apple and treats her like she's her own grandchild. And there's just a very sweet moment mm -hmm. between them. And then you almost forget that they're, they're not grandparents, yes. that they're just neighbors. You do, because they the entire family is very close with Judd and Norma. And it, they really, it is like their family. And they're a lot closer with Judd and Norma than they are with... Rachel's parents. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, because Norma passes away, we actually find out some very interesting information about Rachel and why she is so against Ellie finding out about death. And Rachel says that she needs to tell Lewis finally the whole truth about her sister Zelda mm -hmm. and about how she doesn't feel that she'll be able to go to Norma's funeral. Exactly. And... I know too that there there was there has been the biggest I've seen too a lot of people say that when they have seen the movie Pet Cemetery that actually the character of Zelda is one of the scariest characters that they've ever come across. Mm -hmm. Not even just the, in the Stephen King universe, but just in horror in general. That she's right up there along with even as we talked the last episode of Pennywise, mm -hmm. she's right up there too in right. scare factors. Well, and part of that isn't just the fact that she's ill, because Rachel's sister has spinal meningitis. And the way that Rachel describes her, it isn't so much her physical... Her physical appearance was scary to her. She was a child. She was eight years old. And her sister had... She said she had bird hands, and she was curled in under herself, and she was very ill. But it wasn't really her physical appearance that was scary. It was her the way that she treated Rachel. Rachel always felt like Zelda wanted her dead. Rachel always felt like Zelda was evil and that she was jealous of her. And she was terrified of her sister. Yeah. Terrified. And I give Rachel a lot of credit too because as we see in the movie a bit more, that she was doing a lot of the caring for Zelda. She would feed her. Yes. She would have to go and check on her. So this became more of someone who's not so much a sister anymore, this is, she feels as if she's a caretaker of someone, and even someone she doesn't even know. Right, and what's sad about that is she's eight years old. Yeah. She should not be caring for her sister, who, truthfully, and they say it in the book, that she was probably clinically insane by then, because she's so ill, and she's on so many medications. Yeah. And you're leaving your eight-year-old daughter with her, and Zelda actually died when her parents were not home, and Rachel is taking care of her. And Rachel was terrified, and she felt so guilty about it because she said she didn't think she was crying. She thought she was laughing mm -hmm. because she was relieved that Zelda was dead. They said that she was a dirty secret that they hid in their back room. Yeah, we're we're going to go into a lot about guilt because I'm feeling that this, this book definitely does cover a lot of themes, and I think guilt mm -hmm. is right up there with a few others, which... Speaking of, is another big key moment on Thanksgiving. So now that was yes. Halloween. Now we're jumping into the part of Thanksgiving where the cat church is actually run over by a truck or a car mm -hmm. in the road. And Lewis is the one that finds church. And in this scene, too, uh, Ellie and Rachel and Gage went up to see Ellie's family. Mm -hmm. So Lewis is all by himself and finds the cat mm -hmm. and already just is worried when Ellie comes home and then he's going to have to try to tell her that the cat is dead. Right, and that's something to mention too is one of the very first things that Judd tells them when they move in is to be careful of the road or the rud as he calls yep. it. Because he said that a lot of animals have been taken by that road. And that's the reason why that pet cemetery is there in the first place. Because so many animals have died in the road because there are trucks that go 60, 70 miles an hour down this straight road and it's right in their front yard. And it's very, very dangerous. And these giant Orinco trucks are just going through the road all hours of the night, all hours of the day. And 
unfortunately, Church became one of the victims of one of the trucks. And like you said, Lewis was by himself mm-hmm. and was trying to figure out how he was going to tell Ellie about it. And Judd calls Lewis and says, I think your cat is dead on our lawn. And when Lewis comes over, he sees it as church. And Judd kind of, without saying anything directly, tells him, maybe don't tell Ellie about this quite yet. Mm-hmm. And this is the part two in the book where this is after Lewis saves Norma's life. And this is the scene, too, where Judd wants to help Lewis mm-hmm. because since he... He saved his wife. Now he wants to help Lewis out in this situation by mm-hmm. by taking Lewis to a place, to the pet cemetery, where we may think that, oh, it is a, it's a creepy pet cemetery, mm-hmm. but nope, that there is something a bit more to this pet cemetery that beats the eye. Well, and what's interesting is Lewis doesn't realize Judd's intentions at first, but Judd, like you said, he just kind of wants to return the favor. Mm-hmm. So he takes... Lewis and Church in a bag and they go up to the pet cemetery and Lewis goes like he's going to bury Church and he says no not here we're going to keep going and that is where Lewis doesn't even really seem to hesitate because Pascal told him don't go on Mm -hmm. and he so they climb this deadfall which is just this massive pile of broken down trees and and sticks and branches and everything and they they go through the forest and basically end up at the Micmac burying grounds and they bury church there. And Judd's very specific about saying that Lewis has to bury church himself. Yep. And he does. He buries him in the pet, in the Micmac burying grounds, which I guess you could call the true pet cemetery. Mm-hmm. And um, they head back home. And the odd thing is, is it felt like it was this long process, a very long journey to the Micmac burying grounds Lewis felt like they were being watched by something in the woods mm-hmm. um, you know there's all these legends about the Micmacs and the Wendigo mm-hmm. and after he buries church and they get back to Lewis's house and they get to the end of the path he asks Judd what time it is and no time has passed nope which is odd because in the movie we can see that it starts off very gray mm-hmm. but you can tell it's still daytime mm-hmm. because there it's it's kind of your typical fall day where right. it's cloudy and gray outside, but it's there's a brightness to it. And then by the time they get back, it is nighttime, mm-hmm. and it feels darker. Even though time has not passed, it just feels darker out, and which is a good kind of sign of foreshadowing of what's to come because, Definitely. as a surprise, the cat comes back the next afternoon. And scares Lewis half to death. <laughs> yes, as as one would. Yeah, definitely. And what's interesting is that Lewis talks about how different church is now. Mm-hmm. He, he smells terrible, but Lewis also talks about how he's very clumsy. Yep. And he's kind of stupid. He isn't church. Yeah, and I find this interesting, too, that he's bringing back dead animals so there's that scene too where Lewis is taking a bath he's laying down he's relaxing and then all of a sudden the cat church throws a dead rat in Mm -hmm. the tub and Lewis of course freaks out and throws it out and we've never seen church he was kind of more of an indoor cat Mm -hmm. because Ellie also said too don't let him out and she was scared of him getting hit by the busy trucks in the road so for all of a sudden church to go to a house cat to hunting rats and throwing them near Lewis is quite the change. And birds. I mean, he was just bringing in these nasty, ripped up animals. And Lewis specifically got church fixed, hoping that he wouldn't wander so much. Mm -hmm. And now he is wandering and he's hunting. And no matter how many times Lewis, you know, Lewis will lock him out of the house. He gets, he still comes back in. He gets in somehow. There's that one creepy scene in the book where... I believe Lewis is in Gage's room, mm-hmm. and he's looking, I believe, in the closet, mm-hmm. and there's all the toys, and he just sees these eyes sticking out, yes. and then it's church that just, mm-hmm. the way that Stephen King describes that scene, it was very chilling. Very. And the thing about church is he isn't necessarily evil now. He's just different. Yeah. He isn't the church that he was. So Lewis actually finds a note on Judd's door. Um, He goes over there the next day after seeing that Church is back, and Judd leaves him a note 
that says that um, they'll be back later. They were out of town. Mm -hmm. So he goes to see Judd, and they discuss the Micmac burying grounds and how Judd actually took his own dog up there. Yep. And um, his dog had... uh, He came back the same way that church was, kind of slow, not quite the same, couldn't get the smell out. But he was so distraught over his dog... You know, and someone told him about the pet cemetery, and Judd did the same thing for Lewis. And then Lewis asks the one question that I think maybe other people would think of too, Mm -hmm. but Judd gets very upset. Yep. Very upset. Which is funny because there's always that thing where you can tell someone's lying if they overreact or they flip out. So when Lewis asks Judd, has anyone ever buried a person up there, Judd Flips, almost even spills his drink. I think he his, does almost knock it over, yep, doesn't he? Yep. And he just goes, no, no, what, no, mm-hmm. my goodness, no. Mm-hmm. But you can tell, you can just definitely feel that there, there's more to that story. Definitely. And after that, you know, even Ellie seems to be a little leery about church. You know, no one really talks about how the church is acting different, but Rachel doesn't want to touch him. It's almost like people know without knowing. They're kind of grossed out. There's little hints where Ellie says to him that he stinks mm-hmm. or that he needs a bath. He doesn't. She doesn't want him sleeping in her bed anymore. Nope. But, yep, those were all little signs. But then we have to now get into the big, the big head honcho sign here where, where unfortunately, there is another accident that happens. And this is where things take a, a big turn. Because it does, I mean, it's it's very sad. It is. And this, and this is the moment, too, where I think Stephen King felt that this was the hardest and the most painful book and story to write and to talk about. And that is the scene where, and at first it's a very, it's a beautiful, heartfelt scene. Because mm-hmm. uh, Lewis, Rachel, Ellie, the little baby Gage, and Judd is all together, Mm -hmm. and Lewis is actually teaching Gage how to fly a kite. Mm -hmm. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. In the book, too, he's describing uh, how proud he is, and he he actually lets him kind of go on his own. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Gage drops the kite and is running after it into the road. And And two-year-old Gage gets hit by one of the Arinko trucks. And dies. And one of the things that, one of the many things that I think is worth mentioning in the book, and again, this is different if you haven't seen, read the book, but you've seen the movie. In the movie, it, it's still sad. Mm-hmm. You know, he's screaming, he's running after him. In the book, it's different because he talks about how he sees his little shoe, and it's got blood on it, and he's running, and... This poor boy got hit by the truck so hard that it ripped his clothes off of him. And his baseball cap is filled with blood. So he got hit so hard he was almost decapitated. And Lewis almost has this vision where it didn't really happen. And he envisions Gage um, getting grabbed in time. Mm -hmm. And he pictures him growing up. And he becomes a, a swimmer. And he goes to the Olympics. And he marries this girl. And he pictures Gage's life. And you almost think for a moment, if you hadn't seen the movies and you're reading the book, oh, good, it didn't actually happen. Yeah. But it does seem odd because he's talking about Gage as an adult. And and then all of a sudden you go back and you find out he was basically having a fantasy. Yeah, and I think it kind of relates to that saying that we always say that life flashes before your eyes. Definitely. So I think the amount of shock that that happened right there and especially to where lewis then again the guilt feeling of and it even shows in the movie too where he trips Mm -hmm. and if he wouldn't have tripped he could have grabbed him in time so just that overwhelming feeling of guilt yes that's what makes him all of a sudden just go back to thinking this isn't happening Mm -hmm. this is how it's supposed to be or maybe that's how it could have been if i just would have got grabbed him in time Mm -hmm. and one thing to mention too is Stephen King felt like he took this book too far. Mm-hmm. He didn't publish it for a very long time. He kept it in a drawer in his desk, and he left it there. And the reason why he felt he took it too far is 
you know, obviously, I mean, you have this poor two-year-old boy who dies, but this whole scene actually happened mm -hmm. with Stephen King. He moved uh, briefly to a house on a very busy road with his family, and he was writing, and his son did run into the road and almost got hit by a truck, and he caught him on time. And he kept thinking, what if I didn't? And that's where Pet Cemetery came from. And it is just one of those things that, you know, we're very fortunate that he ended up needing to give his previous publishing company one more book, and it was published, um, because it is a, a really great story, but it is, it's, it's very, very sad. And um, now that Gage has passed away, um, Judd decides that he really needs to sit down and have a talk with Lewis. Yep. And to find out that there was an actual person by the name of Timmy Baderman, who was actually a man who served in the war and died, and his father was so distraught by his death that he actually took him up to the pet cemetery, beyond the pet cemetery, and buries him. Yes. And of course, Timmy comes back, and the way, though, that it is described in the book and the way that it is seen in the movie is very different. Mm -hmm. Because in the movie, he comes back and is seen right away as a zombie. It's like a cannibalistic zombie. Yeah. Like, and that's scary, but it, it doesn't give you the chill that the book gives you. Yes. You know, the book, they, he comes back and people around town see him and they're terrified because they know he's dead. Mm -hmm. And they see him walking down the street and he's dragging one of his legs and he knows things he shouldn't know. Yes, even in the book, he's able to read minds mm -hmm. and see. He almost has, gains more powers mm -hmm. in a way than just coming back as a zombie. And I think that's what frustrated me in the movie because in the movie they're trying to have him be back as part of the family. They're trying to just make it seem that we can make this work. We can have a zombie live with us mm -hmm. and act like nothing has happened. And you really can't. But here, where he's got powers and he can see something, that's where they want him to to keep living and to keep staying with them to see what more he has. Beyond right. Them. And Judd at this point, when he's telling the story, Judd was very young when this happened. Mm -hmm. um, maybe early 20s or so. And because he was married to Norma, but they were much younger. And him and a couple of the men in the town went to confront Timmy Baderman's dad about, you know, this can't happen. And Timmy tells them things that they didn't know. He talks about how the one guy who thinks his grandchildren are the best things in the world, that they can't wait for him to die because they want his money. And how he knows that Judd went to see a horror. Mm -hmm. And he knows these things that nobody should know. And it is terrifying. And Timmy Baderman ends up, um, he does end up dying again because his dad, they find the house burned to the ground and um, they find the bodies and it looks like they both had bullet wounds before mm -hmm. the house was burned down. So the dad killed Timmy Baderman again and took his own life Um and that's where Judd says the iconic line, sometimes dead is better. Yep. Yep, that, that line, too, that always sends chills down the spine. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just so well done. And the reason why Judd tells him the story in the first place is because he knows what Lewis is thinking. Mm -hmm. He knows that Lewis, without even realizing it, immediately thought of burying Gage in the Micmac burying grounds. Mm -hmm. And he's just trying to explain to him that it isn't worth doing because they don't come back. Look at how churches, they don't come back the same. Yep. But this is kind of the part to now, now you and I, we've talked about this too prior before this airing this episode, mm -hmm. but in the book, when we were reading it, we could kind of see almost Lewis's mind beginning to crack a little bit. Yes. And that's something that, like you said, you and I have touched on a lot. There are very, there's a large number of instances throughout the book where I feel like he was kind of bordering on insanity the whole time. He has full out conversations with himself. Mm -hmm. And I know we all talk to ourselves a little bit, you know, but to say, oh, you really shouldn't do that. Yeah, man, you're right. Like we don't, <laughs> it, it, it was very strange. And even how, 
he would talk about sometimes how he wanted to strangle Ellie and he would say, you know, oh, I'm going to scream and I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to scream. And, you know, um, but I feel like in the, the movie, the 89 version, they really do portray it very well after Gage dies that he's really starting to unravel yep. big time. There was that haunting scene where he goes to the cemetery where Gage is buried, digs him up, and then just for that period of time holds him. Mm-hmm. He's holding him. He's even rocking back and forth and saying what happened to you was wrong mm-hmm. and it shouldn't have happened this way. And that's when you can really see that he's really starting to unfold. And that is an actually a true moment of horror, not just the cat coming back or mm-hmm. anything having just that moment of him holding his son is mm-hmm. is just that's a true moment of horror it is and you know as we know unfortunately lewis does not listen to judd's warning no nope. and he plans it out he sends his family away he sends them to chicago and plans out what he's going to do and he does he goes to the pet to the cemetery where gage is buried and he digs him up and he takes him to the pet cemetery and all the warnings too that he gets he gets a warning from judd He does, actually, no, he doesn't get a warning. Ellie's the one that gets the warning Mm -hmm. from uh, Victor Pascal. Yes. Again, to almost warn him again to not go beyond the Pet cemetery grounds Mm -hmm. again. Well, because Lewis wasn't listening. No. So he decides to invade Ellie's mind. And she starts having dreams about Victor and how... um, you know, you have to stop Lewis from going beyond the pet cemetery, but he does it anyway. Yep. And that's a question, too, where is he losing his mind, or is it the guilt and the grief that he's going through that is pushing over the edge? Because what I've noticed, too, in the book and the movie is always he's always making up excuses, mm-hmm. where saying, what happened to you was wrong and you didn't deserve it, so this isn't going to work. And right. another line later on that we'll get to when we get to that point um, he brings up another excuse. And so it's just, it's so interesting to watch it unfold. And for everyone to the great Michael C. Hall, or as we know and love him as Dexter, yes. does the audiobook for this. And it is fantastic. Absolutely phenomenal. So if you are not a, a reader per se, or if you are just one of those people that has a hard time sitting down and reading a book, definitely check out the audio the audible version it's it's incredible and especially too since michael c hall has played dexter Mm -hmm. before the way that he talks about lewis and then does the voices in lewis's mind is so great because he had practiced this with that when he played dexter Mm -hmm. in in the tv show definitely definitely cannot have picked a better person no definitely not um so now that lewis Against all the warnings that he has, buries Gage in the McMack burying grounds. He ends up just going home afterwards and falling asleep. Yep, I think he waits for him, but then falls asleep. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Gage comes back. But, of course, as we know, is not going to be the same little boy that we have known before. Right, and what he does is he actually comes into the house when Lewis is sleeping opens up his medical bag and takes out his scalpel. And that is, that's still one of the most disgusting scenes in the movie where, of course, he goes after Judd first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he sneaks over to Judd's home and Judd knows exactly what's happening because Judd stayed awake for hours watching the house, knowing what Lewis was up to. Mm -hmm. But he ends up falling asleep and Gage sneaks in. And yeah, that's gross. Yeah, he um, he cuts his ankle Ugh, with, with a scalpel. scalpel. It's uh, just the, the those little things. It's those little things in those horror movies that mm-hmm. always get to you, and that's that's definitely one. And I think what's interesting about that scene in the movie is that um, Church all of a sudden pops up and mm-hmm. almost distracts Judd from yes. from finding Gage, so that when he stares at Church. That's when Gage attacks. Yes. So um, not to go into too much detail because we do want you to read the book and see the movie, but um, Gage does kill Judd 
and Rachel comes home early because of Ellie being so fearful about what's going on. And Gage kills Rachel, too. Yep. And it was such a haunting scene where Gage shows up in front of Rachel, and mm-hmm. Rachel's just flabbergasted by the sight of seeing her son just yeah. standing up and talking, that, of course, it's easy to lure her in. She just runs to him, and yep. he kills her. Yep. And then Lewis wakes the next morning and sees the horror of mm-hmm. what Gage has done. And unfortunately, Lewis has to make the very difficult decision of killing Gage again. Well, actually, before he kills Gage, he kills Church. True. Which I don't think he was very upset about. <laughs> I don't no, think he was. No. I think, though, I remember, though, this in the in the movie where he takes the needle and uh, sticks it in Church's neck and, then, and Church is slowly dying and he's saying, go on, be dead, play dead, be mm-hmm. dead. And I think that's his way of having that moment of clarity, because that's the only time of clarity he has throughout this time, where he's realizing, what have I done? Mm-hmm. I can't believe I did this. And so now i got to make it right. And he, taking it out in church, because it all started with church. Yes. And after that, he has to kill Gage with his morphine from his bag. And then he burns down the Crandall home with Judd and Gage and... Um, inside but what he does is decides he wants to bury Rachel in the pet cemetery and he says that well you know Gage was just dead too long so she just died it'll be fine and one of the creepiest scenes to me in the book and there's so many but this one always sticks out to me is when the house is on fire one of Lewis's colleagues Steve Masterton sees Lewis carrying the sheet and he realizes that it's Rachel that he's carrying and he's taking her to the pet cemetery and Steve notices that Lewis's hair has gone completely white. Yes. He has lost his mind and even Steve says, you know, he's, that he looks like he's insane and that he looks like he's aged years overnight. And that scene always stuck with me because he, he really did. He lost his mind and um, that brings us to the very end of the novel. The, this, And I know there's a lot of opinions out there about mm-hmm. Stephen King's books and his endings. But this, too, is, but this is just a great way to end a book. Mm-hmm. Where Lewis does take Rachel now up to beyond the pet cemetery and buries her. And he comes back and he's just sitting there playing solitaire. Uh, It's got a great description about his nails being completely torn apart because he's digging. He doesn't take a shovel this time. He actually just digs and claws, almost like an animal. Yes. And he's just sitting there, and then the last final shot, all he hears behind him is, Darling. Mm -hmm. uh, That's what uh, Rachel would always call him. And it just, it's it. it. ends. So that's... It's this, that's how you end. That's how you end with that kind of... Now, I understand a lot of people don't always like open-ended endings, but in a way, when you just close the book and you're done, that's when you just lean back and just go, ah. Oh, yes, yes. It definitely. And I, I think a lot of people are unhappy with some of Stephen King's endings, but to me, an ending isn't realistic if it's expected and if it's everything that you hoped for and it's happy. Sometimes endings are not happy. So, I had no issue with this ending. Or a little bit of a shock, because, of course, Mm -hmm. in the ending to the movie, it I won't go too much into spoiler details. It does have a similar ending, but there's a bit more of a shock value. Yes. Where it goes a little bit too much in a more in-your-face kind of ending. So, it is is similar, but, again, it's not as subtle and as Mm -hmm. simple as this. I totally agree with that, 100%. And... That is definitely something that we'll dive into. Um, the 1989 version of the film is wonderful. So we can definitely touch on that a little bit and how it differs from the novel. So one thing I know that we wanted to touch on, because truthfully the, the movie does stick as close as possible to the book as I think it can, including the wonderful Stephen King cameo. 
Of course. But one thing that I was unhappy about um, with the 1989 version is Norma Crandall is not in the movie. Nope. But what they do is they take Missy Dandridge, who is kind of like, for lack of a better term, their housekeeper. Mm -hmm. And in the novel, she was a very, very minor character. And she, um, Lewis mentions that she's, you know, attractive and she's young and she watches the kids sometimes. In the movie, she's an older woman with a lot of health issues. And instead of going to Norma's funeral, like they do in the book, they go to Missy's funeral because she hangs herself. Yeah, that was always a really odd part in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I should say, too, that I... Um, I actually, I saw the movie before I read the book, so I actually saw this too when I was, uh, I'd say maybe my teen years, mm -hmm. and when I was watching the movie, I thought everything was good except for Missy, the character, mm -hmm. and not to say that she was bad, but I just thought she was just kind of there, and I thought maybe her, her death or everything that she was dealing with with her uh, stomach cancer mm -hmm. issues in the movie, I thought that would kind of reflect on Lewis or the family, but it ends up not going anywhere. So right. she could have been taken out completely. And then when I read the book, I thought, why not, Why couldn't we just have had Nora um, in there? Because she's, she's a very, to me in the book, she's a very important character. I agree. And I feel like she, that just made more sense because Ellie is learning about death and then she has this woman who's a grandmother figure, you know, uh, like you said, you know, Vanessa mentioned earlier that they were like grandparents and, you know, it's, it made more sense to have her in it and have her be the one that passes away. You're right. It's, it's almost like it was just something that was thrown in there just for them to go to a funeral. It was very, very strange. Yeah. So I, yeah, was not, not sure what the decision was, yeah. but I will say that I'm glad, though, that what they really did well in the movie was really execute the pet cemetery and the atmosphere. Yes, definitely. And one thing that I think you and I talked about before is Fred Gwynn, who plays Judd, is phenomenal. He looks and sounds just like I pictured Judd in the book. 100%. He's amazing. And... You know, it's, you're, you're right, the atmosphere, the, the way that the house looks, the characters, I think they did a, a very good job. Yeah, and I definitely, when I saw the movie, I definitely felt cold. Mm -hmm. Even if I was watching this in a warm room or something, I just, watching the Pet cemetery is got a very cold feeling, and it is. It, it feels as if someone is watching you. Yes. And I know, too, that there are little hints, especially though reflected in the book, but you can even get a little bit more of it, too, in the movie. Not as much, but there's little hints in there as well about the Wendigo legend um, mm -hmm. and how a force or some kind of a present is always there. And we also kind of mentioned this, too, a bit, that that's what we felt is what's controlling the people around in this small town. 100%, because... Judd mentions how the place takes a hold of you. Mm -hmm. And in the scene we talked about where Judd falls asleep when he's waiting for Gage, he kept saying in his head, it's making me sleepy. Mm -hmm. It He felt like he wasn't in control of himself. And, um, you know, it was forcing him to fall asleep so he couldn't watch out for Lewis. Yep. Yep. And also, too, with the truck driver who kills Gage, mm -hmm. Um, they say this more so in the book is that the truck driver never had a speeding ticket, mm -hmm. was uh, a great employee, a great truck driver, never had an accident, never uh, drank behind the wheel yep. or anything. And even um, his wife, who le eventually leaves him with the kids, just mm -hmm. couldn't believe it. And then even he said that during that time when he was driving, something all of a sudden gave him a push mm -hmm. to to drive faster and then all of a sudden when he comes face to face with Gage that's all of a sudden where he snaps out of it and realizes where was I it's too late it's yeah it's too, it's late, too late by then he said for no reason at all he just felt like putting the pedal to the metal yep and 
it, it really is. You, you, you hit that on the head. It's like a force. And even Steve Masterton, when he sees Lewis with his white hair carrying Rachel, he has a moment where he feels like, I need to go help him. Yeah. He can't bury her by himself. I have to help him. And he snaps out of it. And he actually moves to St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> he gets as far away as he can. You know, it's, there is a, a power where the pet cemetery is. Yeah. And it controls the actions. And even Judd talks about how he feels that it's his fault that Gage died because he showed Lewis the pet cemetery. Yep. Yep. And again, it comes right back around circle to the guilt where everyone is experiencing extreme guilt mm -hmm. and extreme grief. Yes. All in. So that's why I feel that um, a lot of people who have read Stephen King books feel that this is this one's right up there, too, mm -hmm. for just the mentioning of, of grief and guilt. And I think a lot of that has to deal with this kind of force and how it's playing on everybody's emotions. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then I know that you wanted to touch on how the ending of the movie was a little bit different than the book. Oh, yes. So... The ending, as I mentioned before, too, is different in the movie, and now I'll go into a little spoiler territory here. But in the end of the movie, so so uh, Lewis is sitting, and he's waiting for Rachel to come, and she does. She walks in, and of course she looks just com a complete wreck. She's bloody, and she's even miss missing a shoe, and mm -hmm. just she does whisper to him, darling, and he kisses her. And then all of a sudden, from behind her, she pulls out a knife, and he screams, and then it just cuts to black. Right, and it's very... She looks gross. I can't think of another way of saying it. Part of her face is missing, and it's just... It was definitely a little bit more visual, whereas for me, I prefer the ending of the book. I like being left up to my own imagination. Yeah, and I'm almost wondering, too, where it could have almost had the opposite effect, where... What if he turned around and she was beautiful, maybe even mm. more so, and then, but is still leading on with a dark presence mm. or something else that's going to turn? So that's why I think would actually make it creepier than to walk in and you see that they are dead. I really like that idea. I think it would have been very chilling if, like you said, she comes in, she's really just stunning. And he goes and like gives her a hug and she looks at the camera and has this look in her eye like she isn't what she seems i think that would have been very creepy yeah yeah but again it goes a little extreme and has to make it more of a shock value but again though it's still not the worst still no. not the worst no definitely not and um there are quite a few differences between the novel the 89 movie and the remake that came out recently and someone yeah. vanessa yep has not seen the remake. Not yet, because I know all you uh, all you listeners out there are probably wondering, why haven't they talked about the remake yet? Mm -hmm. Well, that is because, folks, I have not seen it yet. Yes. I have seen the trailers and already was a bit nervous because, again, this is um, a, an earlier movie and a book that I do really like. And decided not to... So sign in to watch it, but now is the perfect opportunity to to watch it. Yes, so I've seen it. I'm going to keep my opinion to myself until after, but we are actually going to go and watch the movie right now. Yes. So we will be right back. Well, everybody, we are back. We are. We just got done watching Pet Cemetery the remake. Wow. That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Just wow. Wow. Um well where where do we start? Where where do where would you want to start with this? Well, I will say this that I've seen it before once. Mm hmm I almost didn't finish it. I'm not the type of person to turn a movie off halfway unless it's really disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I almost turned it off. But I'm like, you know what, it's fine, it's fine. I'll finish it. What if it gets better? It just got worse and worse and worse. Yes. This this is one of the worst horror remakes I've ever seen. Yeah. 
and it's unfortunate because I will say that the cinematography for a few bits looked good mm -hmm. and this even though we do have a love for the original uh, Pet Cemetery, this could be one where I could see that maybe it could get a little upgrade and mm -hmm. introduce to a new audience. Sure. But unfortunately it didn't. And we have to start with those characters. There was nothing. They they had no depth at all. Nope. They were blah. No, I was just completely shocked with how little character development there was mm -hmm. with with the characters between each other. Yeah. It just felt very distant, just a lack of death of anyone, mm -hmm. and it just felt very boring. It was. We were about, what, 30 minutes into it, and he just looked at me and said, this is so boring. It was. It was so boring. It just... And the sad thing is that in the original, a lot of those conversations that are between Judd and Lewis, or even the little conversations that he has with Ellie, are so meaningful. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think that now we're in a different time, that some horror directors may think that all we want to watch is something that's quick and we want to get to the action right away. And no, that's not the case. I don't want to be rushed when watching a movie because all of those conversations that they have are meaningful to the story. And all of the entire plot was rushed. Like you said, it went by so fast. Church died so fast. And I think the biggest issue that I had with this movie is Lewis and Judd have no relationship whatsoever. None. Absolutely none. It was more his relationship with Ellie, but even that wasn't a very good one. Yeah, and I, I did hear that. Before I saw this, I did hear that a lot of the focus of the relationship is between Judd and Ellie. And I thought that there was going to be some kind of bigger significant moment or moments throughout the movie where it's mainly him and Ellie. But even their relationship was just still very strand and... Judd in this movie, I think, is mean. Yeah, he wasn't this nice old man that was welcoming. He was he was almost kind of creepy mm -hmm. in a way. I think and John Lithgow is a great actor. I think he did not do a good job at this role. Um the movie seemed to be more about there was almost more about Rachel and her sister than there was about Ellie and Judd. Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed like it just was jumping around all mm. over the place. So we didn't know if we were supposed to focus on the relationship that uh, Lewis had with his job and, mm -hmm. and how he was dealing with the loss of Victor Pascal to then all of a sudden we're jumping with Ellie and Judd and then all of a sudden we're jumping back and forth with Rachel and her sister, which... In the original movie, we didn't even really know too much about Rachel's sister until the very end, or near the end, when uh, Gage dies. Right. And that's the thing, too. This whole thing with Victor Pascal was short and insignificant. And he was more um, gruesome-looking than he was in the first movie. But aside from that, it was just... There wasn't really that same effect of in the first movie and in the book he's there to help yep. and in this movie it was just like he was kind of scary like he was haunting them yeah he felt more like a haunting presence than he was a than he was a ghost or someone coming back to try to warn them and mm -hmm. to try to protect them and i just think that that was a complete missed opportunity of really even building character dynamic there yeah and it's just it's so disappointing that they think that we got to build a scare tactic but the thing is for scare tactics you actually have to be afraid and we're not meant to be afraid of pascal we're right. supposed to be we're on his side exactly how did you feel about the twist making it ellie that dies instead of gage um well at first i thought i was open to it at first mm -hmm. because i could see a lot of potential there 
because even though um, in the original it is Gage who dies, and I could see just a lot of more heart-wrenching moments in there. Mm -hmm. But then here I thought, well, maybe they will take some time for her to come back and she could talk to them more, maybe even haunt them a bit more before killing them right away. Mm -hmm. But it just, it still did not do anything. And then I felt bad because it felt like Gage didn't really need to be there. Right, and he's an essential character, I mean, in the book, obviously. But in the movie, it was like... They could have had that entire movie without him in it. Yeah, and and you pointed this out, too, when we were watching it, is then, of course, in the original and in the book, Victor Pascal comes to Ellie mm -hmm. and tries to warn her because Lewis is not listening. Mm -hmm. Well, now, in this remake, Pascal's going to Gage, who's two years old, and, of course, when a two-year-old sees a stranger they don't know and is bleeding out of their heads and just looking very scary... Of course, a baby's going to be crying and scared. Right. And, of course, the mom, Rachel, doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it just threw the whole movie off completely. Definitely. And how is Gage supposed to tell anybody anything? He can't talk. He can say basic words. There, there was one moment where uh, Ellie is coloring and drawing. Mm -hmm. And then Lewis finds a, the coloring page of Pascal. Mm -hmm. And asks Sally, did you do this? And she said, Gage did. And I thought that that was going to lead into a scene where maybe it would be a creepy scene with mm -hmm. Lewis and Ga he's trying to ask Gage about it and it can turn into something. But all it was, it was a creepy jump scare of Gage crying because Church the Cat was there. Yeah. And it just, they, and then they never talked about it again. No, they didn't. And I think we have to... And this is a spoiler for those of you who haven't seen it. And if you haven't, don't. But um, <laughs> that ending. I don't... That's not even an ending. That ending was... I mean, we talked about how a lot of people struggle with Stephen King's endings. And how we liked the ending of Pet Cemetery. This ending of this remake was awful. It was awful. Yep. Yeah, and for, we will, I guess we can spoil it, but just a, just a heads up for spoilers, if if there are people that haven't seen this and do want to see it, but, uh, so initially what happens is that instead of Lewis killing off, well, in this case it'd be Ellie, but in, instead of killing off Ellie and Church, I completely forgot that Church didn't even yeah, die. Yeah, he didn't. But, but... Uh, Lewis dies because Rachel, who um, also got killed, stabs Lewis. And then Ellie and Rachel decide to just take Lewis up and bury him. And then, of course, um, when they were trying to rescue Gage, they put him in the car. Mm -hmm. And he falls asleep in the car. But then when he wakes up, you see the dead family coming towards yeah. him. And then that's it. Then they just cut it. It was just horrible. I mean, Ellie kills her mom. Buries her mom in the pet cemetery. Then they kill Lewis together. Bury him in the pet cemetery. And then they all go with Church to go get Gage out of the car. And that's how it ends. It just cuts. Which is sad because the whole point of the movie is the famous line that Judd said that you know, it's saying dead is better. Mm -hmm. But then this movie goes the complete opposite of that quote and just saying, well, I guess not. Because everybody ends up being a zombie family. Mm -hmm. And... What? I mean, they cut out so many things that were important. They didn't talk about Timmy Baderman. They didn't ask about, has a person ever been buried up there? Um, you know, he didn't really go into detail about his dog Spot at all, and his dog is Biffer in this one. You know, Judd didn't talk about his dog very much. It just, it was very, it was a very hollow movie. There was nothing to it. And I feel, I try to always watch these movies like I had never read the book to kind of see what someone who has never read the book would think. And I still don't think I'd like it. I just mm. don't think it was good. Yeah, it's, even as a movie, as a standalone movie, mm -hmm. it's just not very good. No. And it's just, it's just disappointing, too, because, and I think um, the actors, except for maybe John Lithgow, I don't think that he really gave 
his all into this. No. And, I mean, granted, though, um, the actor that played Judd in the original, I mean, there's no way that you could. You can't top that. You can't ever top that. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's, but still, it just seems like they were just kind of there and wasn't really yeah. involved in this. I will give the actress that plays Ellie credit because I thought she acted well. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Rachel. I thought she acted well. I think so, too. But sometimes when a movie's really bad, it doesn't matter how well you act. It's just not going to be enough. Yeah. I have to say, too, when Lewis went a little, you, you know, you could tell in the original when he starts going a bit mad. Mm-hmm. It's believable, and it kind of sucks you in. And here with this Lewis, when he starts kind of crumbling a bit after Ellie comes back, it's just... It just almost comes off as annoying and eye rolling. Like, come mm-hmm. on, like, don't you see what's going on? Right. It's yeah. I mean, watching it, couldn't you just? I mean, I remember thinking, "Is this almost over? I can't wait for this to be over. Is it almost over?" It. I just was not happy. With I that. ironically, for how much it rushes and skips through things, it still feels just as long. It took too long. It was the longest hour and forty minutes. Hour and forty-one minutes. It yeah. was just. Not my favorite. So if you haven't seen it already, you're not missing much. Yeah, this is very different than from our first episode where we give praise almost to the remake of It from our last episode. Mm-hmm. And here, we do. We please skip this one. Yeah. Please stick to the original. Now, I do have to make a note mm-hmm. because not a lot of people may know this, but there is a Pet Cemetery 2 mm-hmm. that came after the original. Right, the one in 89. Yep, mm-hmm. and that one was okay. I saw it a long time ago, and it's a story about a young boy who moves uh, to, um, I think it's still in Maine, um, but he moves uh, to a new place, and he makes a new friend. And it, it's the same thing, too, where a pet dies. I think a dog dies, actually, this time and brings the dog back to life. But then, I won't want to give too much away, but let's just say this new boy's friend that he meets in this new town doesn't not have the best family life and the best home life and let's just say someone in that bad home life has to be brought back so that's as much yeah that i don't want to give too much away because hey i would say watch pet cemetery 2 over this remake over the remake good to know because i have not seen the sequel so that's good to know i don't think anything could be as bad as this nope but you made a good point with when we talked about it in our first episode, we did have a lot of the same viewpoints because we love it. We love it. But this one, you know, we we have a not a very different opinion, but slightly different. And it is interesting because Pet Cemetery is my second favorite Stephen King book of all time behind it. And you feel differently. Yeah, I would say I would put Pet Cemetery. I'd say at number five, five okay. or six on my list for Stephen King books. Which I know that a lot of people who do read Stephen King puts this book in as pretty high as well. Mm-hmm. And I definitely agree. I'm not now because that this book is number five for me. And remind you guys, too, we're specifically talking about the book, not the movies. Um, But the reason why is the book just takes... It took me a while to really get into it. Mm -hmm. And I just got into other Stephen King books right away. And I think that's understandable. Like, for me, I was sucked into this one right away. Mm -hmm. But I am not a fan of other books that you really like, too. So it does, you know, it's... To each their own, I guess. Yeah. Yep. And again, just because it's at my number five does not mean that I think it's a horrible, mm-hmm. horrible movie or book or um, the worst of Stephen King's books or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just um, it's just how it grasped me. And I think that the, the moments and the characters of it really drew me more than the characters that were in Pet Cemetery, And when I read, I'm very character-driven. So I think that's why mm-hmm. some books may stand out to me a bit more than others. Sure, definitely. And did you have a final thought you wanted to share? Well, my I'd say my final thoughts are, for everyone out there, 
skip the remake. It's not worth your it's not worth your time. And I would say if you are interested in reading Pet Cemetery, please do. And and I wouldn't say like you have to watch the movie first or read the book first. It's because the original is pretty close to the book too. A few little things as you guys may have heard, some changes, but I would definitely say that if you are getting into Stephen King and read a couple of his books and want to get more into them, put this one on your list. And if you are still not a big fan of actually sitting down and reading the book and you like to have audiobooks, this one is way at the top because Michael C. Hall really does a quite an amazing job with uh, reading the audiobook and I'd say he helps you get lost in the story, absolutely. I think that's a really good point that you you made about that and that's something that I would have to agree with as well. Um, I like to read but I do like to listen to audiobooks when I drive to and from you know work or wherever and this audiobook was amazing. You know Michael C. Hall does such a good job that you actually forget that there aren't multiple people talking. He does such a good job with everyone's voices so I definitely recommend it. And for anyone that is either newer to reading Stephen King or if you are interested in starting to read his books, this is a really good one to start. He is known for developing his characters very well and developing the plot very well, but some of his books are really long. It is very long, the stand is very long, and this is a really good one to start with because it isn't overwhelmingly long, um, but it still has a really great story. Yep, and definitely has themes that will hit home right to you. So if you feel like you want to explore those different themes and see what kind of guilt or grief is kind of mixed in with the story, this is definitely one that's going to hit home right for you. Definitely. The Queens of the Midnight Hour, thank you for tuning into our discussion. We will see you again shortly when the moon is full and the clock strikes midnight.